You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. What does Sputnik have to do with student loans? How did a set of trembling hands end the Soviet Union? How did inflation kill moon bases? And how did a former president decide to run for a second non-consecutive term? These are among the topics we deal with on the My History Can Beat Up Your Politics podcast. We tell stories of history that relate to today's news events. Give a listen. My History Can Beat Up Your Politics wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 42 of our Civil War podcast. I'm Rich. And I'm Tracy. Hello, y'all. Welcome to the podcast. We just wanted to say here at the beginning of this episode that this will be a shorter show. Uh, Sorry about that, but we had some stuff come up. But we thought you guys would still appreciate a shortish episode rather than none at all this week. Um, So having said that, let's get started. We ended last week's show with the movement by the Union Army in May 1861 to establish a solid foothold on the western shore of the Potomac River, just across from Washington, D.C. We said that besides occupying the waterfront town of Alexandria, Virginia, the federal regiments involved in the operation also seized the Arlington Heights. As I'm sure all of you guys know by now, the impressive mansion and vast estate at Arlington was the home of Robert E. Lee and his family, uh, Lee's wife having inherited Arlington in 1857 upon the death of her father, who was the step-grandson and adopted son of George Washington. Now, the marvelous view from Arlington's front porch had delighted visitors for nearly 60 years by the uh, time of the start of the Civil War, And that grand panorama, stretching a dozen miles in three directions, was one of the main attractions of the estate, and it was commented upon by nearly everyone. The Capitol building was just over three miles away, the White House even closer, and that meant both buildings would have been within easy reach of artillery emplaced on the heights. One observer noted that, quote, It is not hard to imagine what would have happened if Confederate cannon had found a lodgment on the plateau and had started practicing artillery fire with the White House as a target, end quote. And so, because of that threat, once Virginia seceded, both sides knew that control of the heights at Arlington was really a tactical necessity for the Union. Robert E. Lee knew that better than anyone else, of course, and so that spring he was anxious for his wife and daughters to leave Arlington as soon as possible. He wanted them to move to a place that would be beyond the reach of danger. And so Agnes and Annie were sent away, along with the Mount Vernon Silver and the family portraits, but Lee's wife Mary lingered on at Arlington, unable to bear the thought of leaving her home. She later admitted that Arlington, quote, was a place dearer to me than my life, the home of every memory of that life, whether for joy or sorrow, the birthplace of my children, where I was wedded and where I hoped to die and be laid under those noble oaks by the side of my parents 
to whom as an only child I had been an object of absorbing and tender love. The idea of leaving this home could scarcely be endured. End quote. But on May 19th, with Robert growing increasingly anxious for her safety and with the referendum to ratify Virginia's secession only four days away, Mary bowed to the inevitable and she decided the time had come to leave and join her daughters. She told her husband that her only consolation was that the war would soon be over and she would be back in a few weeks. In fact, both Robert and Mary had left Arlington House forever. After seizing the estate during that operation in May 1861, Union forces immediately set to work fortifying the heights. But Robert E. Lee seemed to sense that worse was to come, for as Mary wrote outraged letters to him and also to the Union commander who had set up his headquarters at Arlington, Lee, in a letter written that July, told his wife, quote, In reference to the action of the U.S. government, you had better make up your mind to expect all the injury they can do us. They look upon us as their most bitter enemies and will treat us as such to the extent of their powers, end quote. And indeed, following the initial occupation, then, as part of a ring of prepared defenses that would protect the southern approaches to Washington from Confederate attack, two forts were erected on the 1,100-acre estate, Forts Whipple and McPherson. And then the property was eventually confiscated by the federal government when property taxes levied against the estate were not paid in person by Mary Custis Lee. Now, Mary, crippled by severe rheumatoid arthritis and residing behind Confederate lines in Richmond, had sent her cousin to act as her agent and pay the $92.07 that was due, but tax officials in Alexandria refused to accept the payment. And so Arlington was offered for public sale in January 1864 and was purchased by the U.S. government. Well, the auction was well attended, but the government was the only bidder, purchasing the property for $26,800, even though it was valued at over four times that amount. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. My name is Wesley Livesey from the History of the Second World War podcast. My podcast is a mostly chronological retelling of the Second World War, and I hope you will join me on a journey through the most cataclysmic conflict in human history as we try to answer the questions of not just what and where, but how and why. Join me on a journey not just through the famous campaigns, battles, and events, but also on a trip around the globe as we broaden the scope of Second World War history beyond the well-known battlefields of Europe and the Pacific. 
During weekly episodes, I seek to provide new insight for longtime students of the war, while also being a great jumping-on point for anyone seeking a deeper understanding of the Second World War. This podcast has made it to the invasion of Poland in 1939, and start listening now to find out how the world would find itself embroiled in its second worldwide conflict in just 20 years. You can find History of the Second World War on all major podcast platforms or at History of the Second World War. In June 1864, Montgomery C. Miggs, Quartermaster General of the Union Army, appropriated the grounds for use as a military cemetery. Now, Miggs loathed the Confederacy, and in that regard, he certainly displayed uh, severe personal animosity toward Robert E. Lee. And so Miggs' intention was to render Arlington uninhabitable should the Lee family ever attempt to return. And further embittered after the death of his son, a Union officer, at the hands of Confederate guerrillas later in 1864, Miggs intensified his efforts to make it impossible for the Lees to ever return to their home. Mary Lee's pride had been her beautiful rose garden to the east of the mansion, and so one of Miggs' most spiteful actions was to order the construction of a huge vault in the garden where the skeletal remains of almost 2,000 unidentified Union dead were placed. By the war's end, more than 16,000 Union graves surrounded the Custis Lee Mansion on three sides, including the grave of Miggs' son, John. And by the end of the war, several hundred Confederate dead, mostly prisoners of war who died in local hospitals, also lay in graves scattered about Arlington. Miggs refused their relatives' entry to the cemetery. And then, on the first Decoration Day, which is now Memorial Day, but on the first Decoration Day in 1868, Miggs even ordered that the Southern women who came to decorate Confederate graves be turned away. And just as a footnote, but during the war, the federal government also established a settlement named Freedman's Village on the grounds of Arlington. It was meant to be a model community for freed slaves, and more than a thousand former slaves were given land there by the government, where they farmed and lived during and after the Civil War. Anyway, neither Robert E. Lee nor his wife ever attempted to legally recover control of Arlington. They were both buried at Washington University in Virginia, where Lee served as president after the war. After the deaths of his father and mother, Custis Lee, in 1874, brought an action against the government, claiming that the Arlington estate had been illegally confiscated and that, according to his grandfather's will, he was the legal owner. The case went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, and in December 1882, the court, all Republican appointees, gave a 5-4 to four decision that returned the property to Custis Lee, stating that Arlington had been confiscated without due process. But several months later, in March 1883, Lee sold the property to the government for $150,000 at a signing ceremony with Robert Todd Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's son, who was then serving as Secretary of War in President Chester Arthur's administration. Today, Arlington National Cemetery is visited by over 4 million people annually. Arlington House, the stately old Custis Lee Mansion, is surrounded by over 250,000 military grave sites. 
and the Arlington House Historic Site is managed by the National Park Service. That means it's time for this episode's book recommendation, and our recommendation this time is The Last Battle of the Civil War, United States versus Lee by Anthony Goggin. If you're interested in learning more about what all happened to Arlington and about the Supreme Court's historic ruling in the matter, then this is the book for you. And although Goggin is a lawyer, we won't hold that against him, since he also has a bachelor's, a master's, and a PhD all in history. So deep down, he must be a good guy. Anyway, uh, you by no means need to be a legal scholar to appreciate this book. Um, Goggin is an excellent writer, and it's a great story, and regular folks like us can follow right along and understand the significance of the legal battle over Arlington that ultimately ended up at the Supreme Court. So that's The Last Battle of the Civil War, United States versus Lee, by Anthony Goggin. And as always, you can find all of our book recommendations at the podcast website, which is www.civilwarpodcast.blogspot.com. And as we close, we wanted to give a special shout out to Brandon M., who messaged us on Facebook this past week and let us know he's been listening to the podcast while hiking the Appalachian Trail, which is pretty cool in itself. But since I do a lot of hiking here in Colorado, I let Brandon know I was extremely jealous of him doing the AT, which is a real adventure. Uh, So anyway, hey, Brandon. And then we wanted to be sure to thank Bob U. and Damian P. for their donations this past week. Thanks, guys. We appreciate your support. And thanks to each of you for listening to this shortish episode of The Civil War, 1861 to 1865, a history podcast. We hope you'll join us next time when we promise we'll get to the Philippi races. Not Philippi. Right. We were set straight about that. I guess in West Virginia, or Western Virginia, they pronounced that Philippi. Uh, But anyway, uh, that'll be next week. And until then, take care. Thanks, everyone. Bye.